Welcome to Tales from the Fourth Trimester, a podcast dedicated to the beauty and brutality of new motherhood. I'm your host, Naomi Krisalakis, and I'm a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. My service, Cocoon, provides good food and a helping hand for new mummers. Join me as I chat to women about what happened after they brought their baby home and interview experts for their wisdom, because giving birth is just the beginning. This is episode six of Tales from the Fourth Trimester, and for this episode, I've got the lovely Alicia Ferris on with me. She's a midwife based in Melbourne, and we had a great chat that I think is super important for mums-to-be to listen to. Um, we talked about everything from what you can do pre-baby, like expressing colostrum, to those first crucial days after you have a baby, when you're in hospital and then when you go home. Um, Alicia shares what she's seeing happen, what she'd like to see happen, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, why she thinks you should call a midwife in before every feed while you're still in hospital, Um, there's some truth bombs, there's some real talk and there's just some great info. So I really hope you enjoy. If you'd like to find out more about Cocoon, my business, you can jump onto cocoonbynaomi.com. I'm also cocoonbynaomi on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and if you enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you could share, rate, review all the things. (laughs) So it helps spread the word. Um, I'm super grateful and I love seeing it when people share the podcast on social media so friends can see. So make sure you do tag me if you do that. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Tales from the Fourth Trimester. I'm Naomi, and today I've got Alicia with me. She's a midwife from Melbourne. Um, Hi, Alicia. How are you? I'm well, Naomi. Thank you for having me today. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. So do you mind starting by just telling us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're living, your family, what you do? Give Give us the lowdown. Yes. Um, so I'm Alicia, um, I'll say mid-40s, God, that's being generous to myself, but, um, and um, I had a, uh, a midlife crisis um, probably about seven years ago and decided um, to go back to uni and um, study to become a midwife. So I'd been in um, marketing before that and um, through my own journey of having um, my two boys, I've got um, two teenage boys now, um, through their birth and and their early years, I um, decided that there was there's got to be more to more to this world than um, marketing. So um, decided to delve into midwifery. So um, I now work at a public hospital in Melbourne. Um, it's not one of the, the big tertiary ones, but it's a, a um, a step down. I think we do um, about 5,000 births um, a year. We oh. um, see a, uh, a lot of um, a lot of women, but um, I look after women um, right from their booking in appointment, right through then um, through birthing into postnatal, and then when they um, head home for those first probably the first week after do home visits as well. So that's yeah. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about um, 
what you see in that lead up to birth in terms of people, um, how they deal with their pregnancies and their birth and the difference between that and planning for postpartum. Do you notice a difference between how people think about the sort of three stages? Yeah, definitely. So I think, I don't know, uh, there's probably a little bit more planning around um, maybe get it, but getting pregnant um, side of things. So um, generally women will be on a, um, a multivitamin and a pregnancy vitamin um, before they get pregnant. And, um, so there's obviously some planning there. Um, then they will concentrate on doing um, childbirth education classes. Not everyone does. Um, we offer them at the hospital um, and they take you through things, um, but what to expect during the labour, um, what your pain relief options are, um, what all the different um, outcomes can be in terms of different um, things that can happen. So instrumental, Caesar, vaginal birth, they go through all that kind of planning. So people do um, do that. Not not everybody, which I was surprised at when I first um, started working in antenatal clinic. Um, not everybody will do childbirth education. Um, um, so I think that can be a bit of a um, um, an issue coming into into the birthing um, environment. Those those um, but it, sorry to interrupt. Those people who um, are not doing the childbirth education in a hospital are they doing other outside, you know, calm birth, hypnobirthing, that sort of thing, or just nothing at all? I think um, where my hospital is based, I don't think people are, um, they aren't doing any of the childbirth education. Oh. Um, occasionally, yes, there will be, um, and I'm talking in very um, sweeping terms here. Um, women do do hypnobirthing um, outside the hospital. There's starting to be a few, not a lot, but you'll get a few um, women saying that they've done online um, childbirth education classes. Uh-huh. Um, so online modules, that kind of a, a thing. Um, but yeah, I am surprised at um, how many how few women will arm themselves. And even um, when I suggest books to read, um, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, there are still women um, arriving to birth with not very much information. So if you think about um, how that that kind of level of information going into birth, then the level of information going into parenthood is um, is not really really well prepared. And I know I'm talking majority, um, and I know that there are some women that really will plan their postnatal, generally um, with second babies, third babies, and subsequent babies. Um, you find that um, more women who have had more than one baby will um, generally have thought about the postnatal part of um, the, the whole journey more than women that have had their first baby. Mm. I think because it's such an unknown, um, I think we're given such a, a skewed view of postnatal um, from our media, through movies, through Instagram, through just what we get fed, um, I I don't think the reality is not is not really what um, is portrayed. Um, first time mums really yeah properly arm themselves with enough. What do you think the reality of postpartum is? 
What do, what do you think? So I think, and one of the, the hard things as a midwife um, when you're trying to give um, women information uh, and parents um, and, and partners as well is um, from from the from the second the baby born, they're on every three to four hours. So we want them to feed every three to four hours, whether that's breastfeeding or if they choose bottle feeding. The the, the baby needs to be fed, um, and I think there's it's really difficult to try and um, try and help women understand that. Yes, you've been through a lot. Yes, that could have been um, a birth that you need extra time to get to get over. But unfortunately, you're in the hospital. Um, baby's just been born, and yeah, it, this wow. is it. Um, and and some women, I think what happens is as well, babies um, will often have a the first feed, and then they'll go into a really beautiful five to six hours sleep um, and um, a lot of the time that's when um, the visitors come flocking in so the new parents have missed their their opportunity to have a really good sleep yeah um, and then it's on like every yeah. three to four hours and I don't think there's anything in life that we have ever done to prepare us for that. No. Um, and three, three to four, I would have been so happy with three to four hours. I think Margot was on me like every hour. <laughs> yeah, especially um, the, there's um, uh, when the baby gets to about 24 to 48 hours, um, they suddenly start to wake up a little bit and start to say, yeah, the colostrum, the colostrum was great, Mum, but I'd really like some breast milk now. Yeah. And they start to do what is called cluster feeding and they're trying to get the, the milk supply in if, if the woman's breastfeeding and um, they become very unsettled um, and often them, I'll, I'll be helping the mum and she'll say, I just fed, like I just fed the baby and the baby has been on my breast for an hour, an hour and a half and as I, I know and this is cluster feeding and that's really hard. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And that that cluster feeding happens a f- at a few different points, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's there. Yes, it I, can't even, I can't remember for me when it was, but I, I remember being stuck under a baby for, you know, <laughs> those periods in the, in the evenings. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really hard. And, yeah, they do it um, as well, generally around five to six weeks. So it's when they go through a little development um, sleep spurt. Yep. So, yeah, um, so they're, they're doing it to go, okay, I know that my body needs extra nutrients. Mm. I need to ramp up my mum's milk supply. So they do this cluster feeding. Mm. Um, so I, I think... Um, because even if you'd been a party animal and you'd go out nightclubbing every single night, you generally will come home at 7 a.m. or whatever, and you can generally sleep when you're a young person. With, and um, But you can't with a baby. It's, mm. You're at the nightclub 24 hours a day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you can't drink. <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. Um, so I think that's probably... One of the hardest things, I don't want to 
dare women when they're in antenatal. I think that's a lot of it. You don't want to be negative and doomsy yeah. and, and say, oh. But on the other hand, I'd love women to, to understand that that first 24-hour period after the baby's born, please don't let it be about visitors. Yeah. Don't let it be about Instagram. It's about you need to try and batten down the hatches, get that power nap in, get that sleeping before because you're on, you are on. And some women as well, um, and it, it's um, some women, women as well who have had to start um, the, the, the niggling of labour, mm. sometimes they have been awake for, you know, yeah. hours beforehand, um, 48 hours beforehand. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about in that period after birth when you're, you know, you might be in hospital. Some people go home very quickly. Some people yes. are there for a few days. Um, yeah. But that's a real time when you have at your fingertips midwives, lactation consultants, um, people with a lot of knowledge. Um, and I know that not everyone is the, the same and you get some people mm. who are more knowledgeable than others. Yeah. But what would you um, advise women in that period? To, how would you advise them to make the most of their hospital stay? Other, so once they've had their good sleep, how can they yeah. really make the most of those resources? Um, please, please, please ring your midwife on your buzzer um, before every feed so that they can help you at every feed if you're, if you're breastfeeding um, because um, it only takes one feed that the baby's not on on correctly um, for some damaged nipples to occur. Mm. Um, and you, you're not being a pain, you're not being annoying, you're not... That's what we, would, that's what we love to do, help you with your feeding... Um, making sure that it's comfortable, making sure that it's going, going well. Um, so please use your buzzer before feeds. Um, don't let yourself get too uncomfortable with pain. Um, I often walk into a room and and um, if a woman has doesn't think that she should have um, paracetamol or any pain relief, um, because she just doesn't like taking it. And that's absolutely fine, but I often um, say to women that um, um, it's often an idea and it's safe to have paracetamol in, in, while breastfeeding. Just take the paracetamol if you're uncomfortable um, because your body is concentrating on the pain and it's not concentrating on producing milk. Mm. So if you can help your body not listen to the pain signals, then you can concentrate on breastfeeding. Oh, so, um, yeah, try, don't be a martyr. No one's going to give you an elephant stamp if you get through the whole thing without taking breastfeeding. Um, yeah, so make sure your pain and your comfort level look after you first. And, it, and it's, it's hard because they want to feed their baby and it's, yeah, but make sure oh. that they're comfortable. Um, yeah. And one thing and with, sorry, go on. the, sorry, yeah, the lactation consultants mm. um, uh, at the hospital that I work at, 
they will come and see you while you're in the hospital. But then um, they have a, um, a clinic set up at the hospital that you can come and see them up to 6 to 12 months mm. um, after it's born. Um, and even if you even if you think, it's like, oh, no, I'm sure I'm okay, it's like, go and see them. They're, they're fantastic. They're an amazing resource. Um, and at our hospital, it's all on Medicare. So there's um, no cash outlay, which I know sometimes that can be, can be a concern. Um, but, yeah. Use the lactation consultants in the hospital. Ask your midwife who's looking after you. Say, could I please have a referral to the, the lactation consultant if they haven't said, um, and just to be a bit more Yeah. One thing we were chatting about before um, we started was um, colostrum and and yeah. including expressing colostrum as part of your sort of plan for that immediate postpartum period. Um, Let's, I mean, I know a bit about that because I had gestational diabetes and while I wasn't told at the hospital to express, I was Mm -hmm. told by a friend who had, uh, who had GD that her doctor had said that. So I then went and checked and I sort of had to work it out on my own with, um, with YouTube and things like that. But tell us a little bit about the benefits of expressing colostrum prenatally and why why you would um, potentially need that for your baby yeah uh, so especially with women who um, diagnosed with gestational diabetes and um, also probably more importantly the ones that are insulin requiring gestational diabetics um, there was a big study done at the Royal Women's Hospital down in Melbourne based around hand expressing from 36 weeks of pregnancy um, to show that those women with those conditions um, from 36 weeks of age, it's um, recommended and it's safe um, to hand express colostrum um, and to, to store that into little um, one mil syringes because um, generally they'll get about tiny amounts or one mil or some women produce more. Um, colostrum, which can be put in the freezer, then um, when the baby's born, so depending on how the baby's born, but um, at our hospital the policy is the baby should have a feed, either a breast. We will try and attach the baby to the the breast if that's what the mum chooses, but we um, have to make sure that the baby has um, a feed within the first one hour of life and then at two hours of um, life we then have to start blood sugars so the baby has to have testing the blood sugar of the baby Mm. so um, if the baby hasn't had um, colostrum or a breastfeed because sometimes a mum might have had to have a cesarean therefore um, she's only just coming out of the operating period at one hour so sometimes it's not um we're not able to give the baby breastfeed so if we have colostrum there we can give the baby the colostrum then at that two hour um two hour age point the baby's um blood sugar is more likely not necessarily but it's more likely to be at a stable level um so if the baby's blood sugar is below a certain cutoff point 
we then have to start managing that baby medically because we can't have the baby's blood sugar drop too low because that becomes dangerous for the baby. And does that just involve feeding with formula or are there other... Um, No, depending on the level of the the sugar, um, the blood sugar. So you have to do a little blood test on the baby's heel and then depending on what that blood sugar result is, we have to either start glucose. So it's a glucose um, gel that we have to rub into the baby's mouth. Then we have to do another blood test. Um, or sometimes if the if the um, the baby sugar is too low, then they'll have to be transferred up to special care nursery. Right. Um, so by giving the baby colostrum, it's not a hundred percent fail safe. Um, outcome, but it, it increases the baby sugars. Yes. So there's less likely um, good, lowering the risk of um, medical um, outcome. Yeah, and that colostrum is like liquid gold in terms of, I, I know a bit about colostrum, that it sets up the, the healthiest microbiome for the baby. Yes. You've got antibodies in there. You've just yes. got, it's kind of perfectly formulated for um, setting the baby up for the best start in life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very, I'm all about women choosing um, whether yes. they want to breastfeed or formula feed. But I think um, yeah, and even just do the colostrum side of things, that is like absolutely amazing stuff. So, um, and there is, you know, there is some research that suggests that if you do have, you know, a lot of the time, if the blood sugars are a bit low and you don't have colostrum and you have to have a bottle of formula, you know, obviously, you know, you do what has to be done, but um, even one bottle of formula can completely change the, um, the good bacteria in a baby's gut. And because it is just really setting that microbiome for life, I, I think that that's kind of a key window to try and get the colostrum in rather than the formula. Like I think down the track, it's less, well, I'm, I'm very pro-breastfeeding, but I'm also very pro-choice. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but I think that window is such a, um, an important time for getting the colostrum. So if you can express it and just have it there, it's easy. Exactly. Like I did, it's not a complicated thing. I would just sit um, when I was watching TV at night, when I was, mm-hmm. you know, 38 weeks yeah. pregnant or whatever, and just be, yeah. you know, getting little droplets. It was kind of amazing. It was like, wow, my body's already produced. Yeah crazy yeah um, just storing that in the freezer and then I brought a little bag to a frozen syringes to hospital and um they put it in their freezer and then yeah Margot my daughter didn't need to have it she her blood sugars were fine but mm-hmm. she was very fussy my milk didn't come in until day five and she was very very fussy um with you know just trying to get my milk in I think but having that colostrum in the syringe we meant we could sort of top she was on my boob all the time but we could sort of top her up with that colostrum which definitely settled her a little bit more um Mm. which I'm I'm so glad that I did it at the time I was a bit like I don't know if I'm going to need this but I I don't regret Mm -hmm. doing it at all because it was worth that um and um, no matter, even if you do point one of a mil, that's fantastic. So never think it's like, oh, it's only a tiny amount. Yep. And I would, I remember I used to do like point one or point two of a mil, and I would just keep put it in the fridge and then do again yes. the next night and just yes. got my one mil and then yes. I freeze it like that and I just date it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, either at your antenatal appointments, um, ask your midwife. Um, how to hand express or um, there is um, a 
some, I think you said that you went to YouTube yeah. to, to learn how to hand express. Yeah. Um, and I think um, there's um, even lactation consultants um, online that, that you could yeah. um, maybe get a yeah. to learn how to hand express. Um, I mean, and I find that um, yeah, cartons also have come in quite handy try and do the, the syringe with the while they're hand expressing. I'm not sure how you it's sometimes a little bit tricky. Yes. To do both bits at the same time. I used to, I had like a little medicine cup that I used to uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to show on yeah. <laughs> kind of scoop it off my nipple and then use the syringe yeah. just to suck it up. Yeah, no, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. But once yeah. you get the hang of it it's not. Exactly. It just takes it's like yeah, learning how to drive. Yeah. A little bit tricky to start with, but then you get all coordinated and it's all fine. Yeah. Um, so tell me why you are particularly interested in helping women in the post postpartum period. I know you do you do a bit of everything, but that antenatal and postnatal period, I know, is something that you're particularly passionate about. Yeah, I, I love the postnatal period because I feel that I can actually help and really support. I know that that probably sounds a bit. Um, a bit weird, but um, I just find that um, uh, it's a bit more. Um, uh, yeah, I just find that I can help educate a lot more. Women are a bit more open. Um, then they're not. Um, they're not birthing. They're not. Mm. They're a bit more able to think and, and process. Whereas in in birth, um, it's a very much here and now, and let's get a job done. Um, where in the postnatal part, part, it's all watching women kind of realise that, oh, wow, I'm, I'm a mum. And that's an amazing thing to watch and to try and support um, women to, to start that part of their life is important. Mm. Um, and I think because of... Um, there's not much focus on it, um, I think, from us as a society. I think it's um, if I can do a little bit to try and help them start their postpartum journey, um, yeah, yeah. it's very satisfying. It's very satisfying. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about some of the things that you typically might help with um, when you visit people at home. So um, let's start with... Who's? We were talking about how you, <laughs> you yeah, like to <laughs> babies or, or women. <laughs> well, we can talk about both. <laughs> yeah. Women, yeah. you know that, that thing you were yeah, saying yeah. that you you help women when it comes to the the sort of the dreaded first poo. Yeah, that first poo. Yeah, and um, it's um so generally in hospital, make sure that they understand that they're having lots of water but it's not normally until probably 48 hours or so after that you're really starting to think about your, your first food I mean there are obviously some women that will be fine but uh, some women will have had stitches um, they'll be swollen it will be very sore very tender if they've birthed vaginally and then even if they've birthed um, by a cesarean um, that wound is they're thinking that you know their tummy's going to pop open if they put any pressure down. Um, so if someone has um, birthed vaginally and they've got um, maybe some stitches or they've had an episiotomy, or um, 
I always recommend that they wrap their hand with toilet paper. So wrap it around their hand and place it on their perineum, which is the, um, the place between the, the anus and um, the vagina, and just offer some gentle support um, while trying to, to do that first poo. Great. Make sure that they've obviously had lots of water. Um, do a kiwi smoothie, kiwi oh. fruit smoothie, oh. full of fibre if they like kiwi fruit. Um, prunes, obviously, um, if they need to go down the metamucil way, but just try and make sure that everything's as soft as possible, but then toilet paper around their hand and offering that support on the parent. Awesome. And just <laughs> Then um, if they've got a Caesar, a Caesar um, wound, just put some um, gentle, just holding their tummy can often make them feel healthier. Yeah. Yeah. Just giving that extra support around their tummy. Yeah. Um, Breastfeeding is the other big one that you must help yes. women with a lot when they're coming home and working all of that um, out. What, yes. what sort of advice do you give women on the breastfeeding front? Um. So it obviously depends on, on what their, um, their situation is, but um, just to really try and do as much skin to skin as they can um, when they first get home, if they're at all possible, just to put themselves into a, um, a baby bubble in, the, in their room, just to stay in bed with their top off, baby just in a nappy, blanket over the two of you, just cuddling and obviously having to be mindful of um, safe sleeping. Um, but generally, if a woman's just in her bed, just resting, um, just do skin to skin. Just take off your top, take off your T-shirt, take off your pyjama top, just um, put the baby on, do as much skin to skin as you can. That really helps the breastfeeding, really helps establish the baby um seems to link into their cues much more quickly if they're on your skin to skin chest than if they were um, wrapped up in, in a bed. Um, yeah, to be look after your nipples, use a really good quality nipple cream, um, put some colostrum or breast milk on your nipples and let that air dry. Um, just try not to leave the baby too long. I know... There's lots of, you get lots of different advice, but um, if you can try and feed the baby more than less, um, that will help down the track because the baby will put on weight and then you won't have to um, do chopping up feeds, whether that be formula or breast milk. Yeah, so the more you can try and feed, the the better. Yep, great. Um, Is there any other advice that you like to give new mums or any any pregnant mums or new mums who might be listening to this today um i i think i'm probably um i think one of the hardest things for new mums is to say no to visitors Mm. Um, i i find that when i'm in working in the hospital um and i see maybe a mum a new mum has um has had a Caesar or has had a, um, a really long birth, um, vaginal birth, they're just so shattered. And I know that it's so exciting for these families. Sometimes it's the first grandchild or, and I know how exciting it is. But um, maybe asking the families to realise, just say they're 
great uncle Bob had just had um, a kidney operation, so it had major, major abdominal surgery. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to see uncle Bob, you know, four hours after his operation and expecting him to sit up and kind of entertain us and mm. and to have a visit for three hours where some of these poor women are trying to recover from the birth. Um, they're trying to establish breastfeeding and they've got so many visitors. And I and I, I understand where people are coming from, so it's just so exciting, but mm. it's just an important stage. Maybe try and have a think about what your visitor plan is yeah. um, and try to be strong or try to get your partner to be strong to say thank you for your amazing thoughts and your well-wishing that could you please maybe just wait until just a few days down the track? Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, um, you know, we I talk a lot about how in a lot of traditional cultures you've got the village and you've got mm. multi-generations in one house and you've got mothers and grandmothers and aunties cooking for you and looking after yeah. you. Um, and there's that thing of, you know, you do, you do want support, but yes. what you don't want is the visitor who um, who turns up and expects to be hosted or doesn't even expect, like they might not even have that conscious thought. But that, yeah. um, that I think I remember reading something in Hang U's book, which is The First 40 Days, and she talks mm. about the ideal um, visitor. And I'll, I'll have to pull it out, but it's when something mm. like, you know, they come, they say, don't get out of bed, I've yeah. brought you some food, I'm putting it in the fridge, Yes. Um, you know, I'm making you a cup of tea. I'm going to do the, yeah. yeah, I'm going to do the washing up for you. No, stay in bed. Don't get up. Um, yes. And they leave after 45 minutes. Yes. And so that way, they're not they're not expecting anything from you. They just, you know, they have mm-hmm. a little peek at the baby. They're yes. bought food. Um, yes. but yeah, they're not overstaying their welcome. Because yeah, I mean, I I certainly remember even with my mother, who's an ex midwife. Um, yes. I remember making her cups of tea and stuff. (laughs) Not certainly not, you know, within 24 hours or anything, but yeah, you do need to be resting and and not, not feeling like, Oh God, the house is a mess and Oh, I've got to make small. But I think, and maybe Naomi, it's just our society. We we don't value rest, do we? No. Even, even without children, even without throwing the newborn into the mix, we don't. It's like, oh, how have you been? Oh, I've been so busy. It's like, oh, wow, get you. I think it, it's not. A, it's even beyond. We yeah. don't value rest. Rest is kind of taboo. Like, yeah. just say, yeah. I, I need to actually lean out, and I don't. Mm. I, I know mm. I'm not. I'm not hustling. No, actually, I didn't do anything last weekend. It's a bit like, yeah. oh, didn't you? Oh, what's wrong with you? you know? oh, really? Oh, well, yeah. this is what I did. Yeah. 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 If ever there's a time to rest, it's after you've had a baby. Yeah. So, but um, and I, you know, I, I just, I find it very hard as a midwife to, um, I get quite upset for women. I'm sure they're probably fine, but when I see a room full of um, very well-meaning family members and very excited family members, but I just look at this poor woman and I know what she's been through in the last 24 to 48 hours, and um, just yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, so that would be that's probably one of the things that breaks my heart. But oh, well, it's good to good to talk about these things because I certainly didn't think about a visitor plan 
when I had my, mm. my baby. So, yeah, mm. all, when you know better, you do better, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. It's been really great hearing your perspective. Uh, Thank you again and I'll talk to you soon. Lovely. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you.